Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Work Therapy Podcast, where the struggle is real, but the possibilities are endless. I am Brooke, your co-host and founder here at In Good Company. So delighted to have you listen today and really excited to introduce my co-host, Mr. J.R. Baker. We go way back. And really, he needs no introduction, but I would love, JR, for you to share just with everyone listening three important things for us to know about you going before we go into this conversation. Great. It's a great question. Thanks for letting me be here. We do go way back, way, way, way back. Um, and good thing is we are the exact same people now that we were when we met, you know, 25 years ago. Um, I was a pastor for 20 plus years. Uh, I'm no longer doing that, but once a pastor, always a pastor. Uh, and I love people. Well, uh, I'm in the corporate space now. I'm an account executive. I find myself pastoring people on a regular basis, just in a very different industry, but it is something that I still find passion in because people are people. It doesn't matter where you find them. Uh, they're people who need to be seen and valued and known. So I still get to do that, which is awesome. Uh, I'm married to an amazing woman. It'll be 15 years this spring. We have a six-year-old daughter who is a world changer already, and one of the funniest humans ever. And I live in Salt Lake City, which is weird because I don't like the outdoors or the snow. But here we are. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta fix this outdoor thing. You know that there's like a lot of science about the connect the, with the connection between nature and mental and like emotional well-being yeah 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 um that is correct <laughs> i will not argue that at all um i need to You're be better not into it <laughs> i know you like what you oh like i'm not 22 still trying to figure out my life you know i i, I like what i like and i not That's to be true. stubborn i'm just like you know whatever like i i like google images of the mountains you know <laughs> i love it you're so funny okay <laughs> check-in question for this week jr what are two things you're kind of like not maybe not obsessed with, but like that you're like into, you're like, Oh, I'm like really excited. Or like, this wasn't really enjoyable or like, this is something I'm like loving eating right now. Mm. Um, well, I'm loving eating way too much. That's the holidays kill me. So we don't want to talk about eating right now. Um, okay. I would say, so this is older. So it's, this isn't like, um, new to me, but Ted Lasso, which everyone knows, which is, you know, this incredible, powerful, highly emotionally intelligent show that just makes me cry every other episode. Um, my wife was like delaying finishing it. And so we finally got to sat that sit down and finish it with her. Um, I got, so I, I finished it ages ago, but I sat down with her and finished the last season and it just made me fall in love with it all over again. Like whenever I want to emote, I'll just go watch like TikTok clips of Ted Lasso, uh, because it's just a powerful show about relational dynamics and found family and uh, forgiveness and acceptance. And, and it's just things that I think as humans challenge me on a regular basis. And it also frustrates me because I wish more people just did what they do. <laughs> I wish you could just get people to ask for forgiveness and cry in your arms like they do on that show. It just doesn't happen that way a lot. But I just, yeah, it's, again, it's not a new thing, but it just kind of reawoken in me when I said I would need to rewatch it. And I just, I just love it so much. It makes me so happy. So there's that. And then uh, we had to put our dog down in November of almost 15 years, not trying to be a wah-wah to start. Um, but then we got a new puppy at Christmas. And so 
our daughter, that's all she wanted for Christmas was a real puppy. And we got literally like a, I drove on Christmas Eve to meet a lady at midnight to pick up a puppy. Um, Amazing. And so that way on Christmas morning, Jovi got to actually be surprised with a brand new puppy. So they're exhausting. They're like newborns. They have to be watched 24 seven, but she's amazing. Her name's Luna Tinsel Baker and she's incredible. And so that's kind of our entire family's obsession right now is just this new puppy that we have to keep alive and play with and love. So Tit Lasso and Luna are top of my list right now. I love it. So my sister's dog's named Luna. Oh, amazing. And I watched her where she was a puppy. She found, I think she had a sock or something and ended up having to go get emergency surgery. Good job, Brooke. I was wow. like, Brynn, you can't leave me with a... I left her... She ran out of my office for two minutes. And I... Anyway, so I haven't watched her again, but this dog is crazy. She's yeah. like... She's a maniac. Um, and you're a lot nicer parent than me because my six-year-old's been asking for a puppy like every day for the last year. And I'm like, no. <laughs> we'll see once they get a little bit older. I just, you know, I have, a, I have a husband who's affectionate. I have two boys that are affectionate. And I just don't need another thing to like <laughs> want to be near me. <laughs> like, I need some space. Wow. Um, That's a quote, quote for the year right there. I don't need another thing that wants to be near me. <laughs> It's true. good. It's good. That's how I feel. Um, no, but what I'm loving, I'm obsessing over, well, not obsessing maybe, but, and Ted Lasso's great. The bear's better though. I'm obsessed with the bear. Okay. You'll have to watch it. Okay. Uh, cottage cheese, which is so weird. And I never thought I'd be into it, but I like literally crave it every day. Okay. Um, and I put like cinnamon and berries and honey and it's pretty good. And then, you know, this isn't, I just listened to it this week and really enjoyed it because it was a top podcast, The Heights with Travis and Jason. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's Jason, right? Yeah, yeah. Kelsey. And it was so funny and hilarious. And I loved it. I get why people love the podcast. I'm like, right. I got all my football news because I'm, I love football from two brothers. Like, Jason was like reminding Travis of when their dad found Jason, uh, Travis's like Eminem CD in the car and was like, what is this? This is garbage. And like threw it out the window and they were like crying. They were laughing so hard. So I was like, this is just family. You know, yeah, it's, just, it's sweet. Who yeah. needs ESPN anymore? So today's topic, we're going to get into that. We, I kind of pulled a bunch, a lot of questions and situations and one thing I do when I work with organizations and I'm, I do what's called a culture excavation. So they may come to me saying, Hey, we're having retention issues or stuff is pretty hard. Like I think our culture is not great. So I'll come in and I'll um, do what's a qualitative analysis. And from there I pull themes. And so kind of what I did with all the questions we've had submitted so far, there's some themes that have like bubbled up to the top. And one of them is, which obviously this is a huge topic of conversation is just leadership. Like what is leadership? What makes a good leader? And, or my leader is making my life miserable. So <laughs> JR, are you ready to talk about that today? Yeah, we, I don't know if we'll have enough time to yeah. talk about it, but yeah, definitely. It, 
it ready. will be inconclusive. So like, I think if we can just let everybody know, this is a very complex topic. We're going to hit a, f we're going to look at it from a few different angles and that's, that's all we're doing. Right. And we hope that you find it helpful. First of all, we had just briefly before we started recording talked about like, are we talking about leadership as a noun or a verb? Do you want to kind of define those two things and then we'll go from there? Yeah, I, I think that one thing that's really fascinating about leadership is that there are people that are just leaders. They are. That's inherently who they are. That's that's at their core. If they're leaders, people probably follow them no matter where they're at, whether it's at the gym or it's at their job or you know at their church, whatever it is. They probably end up leading things just because that's that's who they are. And then you have in the corporate space, you have leaders who are not that, but they they like the idea and the power of being a leader. And so they play the game in such a way to keep climbing and keep being a higher leader and a higher leader and a higher leader with more and more power because they, they like the role of leader, even though they may or may not actually be a leader themselves. And so I think there's, there is a distinction between the verb and the noun of leadership. There, there are people that are and there are people that do. Is there a world where both can coexist? Absolutely. And I think that's the struggle I've seen, you know, as, as I introduced myself being a pastor for 20 years and now find myself in the corporate space, I don't like the game. I, I just want to naturally lead because that's just who I am. I want to support people and see them and value them and know them and help them get to where they want to go. Even if they don't even know that's where they want to go. I want to help them get there I have no interest in playing the game. And so part of me is concerned that in the corporate space, I will quote unquote, lose out to people that are playing the game like that. It can, as you know, it can be kind of cutthroat in the corporate corporate world. And so someone who's doesn't care how they have to get there, doesn't care who they have to cut off in the meantime, um, they're going to play the game to win the game. I, I wonder, and I, I'm so new to this world, but I wonder if there will come a, a place where head on, I'm going to lose out to that person because that's not really my end goal where it is their end goal. Yeah. And I would say data would say like most likely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Very <laughs> like, encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just here <laughs> to, you know, but I mean, I've experienced that. I have two situations where I chose not to play the game and I quote unquote lost. Yeah. You know, I think with my personality, I'm, I'm kind of stubborn. I'm like an eight on the Enneagram or whatever, but you know, I'm a way more mature version of that now. But I was like, screw the game. Like, yeah. I don't need the game. And uh, I think if I would have been willing to play the game, I definitely would have like had maybe a different opportunity, these two different situations. But one of them actually, I don't think I could have managed it like from a, mm just emotional perspective. I'm yeah. like, I don't, the game's so intense here. Like, I just want to get off the field. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. even want to be in the state. Like I'm, I'm out. Yeah. So I do think that it's just understanding. Like we said, there is a game being played when it comes to leadership. And that's why I think a lot of people that are quote unquote, having to follow these leaders are miserable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I know that it can sound kind of like dark, but it's just, it is helpful to understand that there are trade-offs, you know, yeah. and the trade-offs aren't bad or wrong. It's just understanding that you are making a trade-off sometimes. Yeah. 
And I think that I think what's really difficult about that is, you know, we all need jobs. You know, we all have to work. We all have to pay our bills. And sometimes you have to sacrifice for the greater good because of what what needs to happen. And whether that means you remain at a job longer than you'd like under a leader that makes you miserable just because out of necessity, or you play the game to get an advancement, to get a promotion, to take care of your family better, because that's the means to the end that has to happen. I think there's, there's so many factors that are playing into those dynamics that it's, you know, it's, it's hard to just look at a situation on surface level and judge the situation or the person or the moment, because you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. But to be clear, there's for sure a game playing going on, and it's just a matter of what you're willing to sacrifice. Like the, the opportunities you just talked about. Um, if you would have played the game to get there, would you have two weeks after that been looking in the mirror and been like, "What did I? Why? Like, what did I? Why? Why did I defraud myself to get this opportunity? Like, it's not worth it." Or would you have been like, "Ah, you know, whatever, shake it off. I got the, I got the thing. We're good." You know, at what cost? Uh, is it you getting to where you think you want to go? Yeah. And for one of them, for sure. I'm like, ah, I could have like, maybe would have been happy and like, just sort of maybe said a little bit more. The second one, it's like, yeah, like I said, like, no, yeah, it, I like have to sleep at night, you know? Right, right. And I just think people have different appetites. My other question is, and we may just everybody, we may be asking more questions than answering questions today. <laughs> But hey, didn't Jesus, he asked like mostly questions and answered like three questions, something crazy like that. Yeah, like Jesus lots of God. questions, lots, lots of questions. I am a big believer in our human consciousness, right? It is not stagnant, like it right. can grow and change. So my hope is, can we, if more of us say like, hey, we're not going to play that game and we're going to help build organizations, which is what I do, um, where people aren't rewarded based on, um, by the way, we're on video chat. You guys aren't, but like fireworks, <laughs> that was so weird. That was amazing. Just went off on zoom. Oh, wow. That was weird. Okay. Anyways, I was like, <laughs> what is happening over there? Fireworks. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Um, so you know, if enough of us are like, Hey, like, no, we're going to build organizations where people are rewarded for, you know, not politicking, but doing what they say they're going to do. Um, I'm not talking about being nice. Like I'm not about being nice. I'm about being kind, you know, to people, which is clear. I'm like, if somebody needs to have hard feedback, give it to them. So, but I'm saying, can we, yeah, is there a way that we can change the kind of rules of power right now that, data that's just there that the data says hey if you want to grow in power here's the things you have to do when it's politicking <laughs> yeah i think that's i i mean i i i you're probably a lot like me and well i don't know maybe you are maybe you're not you just said you're not nice so maybe you're not like me i don't know um nice person would get their child a puppy so maybe you're not nice um but i always want to believe that we can change people, situations, environments, cultures for the good. Like, I want to always believe that. I, I want to, you know, I don't know if it's the, you know, the belief in the Saul to Paul is always a possibility type thing, but yeah, um, I, I have this, okay, I'm surely we can, if, if enough of us, if we do it, if it's consistent, da, 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 then we can change. And these people can change. And the company can change. The culture can change. 
So I, I do believe that, at least I believe in the idea of that. But I don't know. I don't know if that's that's possible in certain types of scenarios and situations. I mean, it's one thing if you're working with a company that has 42 employees. You know, that's one thing. Great. We if we if we actually impacted three or four high level people in that 42 employee company, I, I bet we could reshape the entire culture of that company without question. Yes. This 24,000 employee company. Um, who the big dogs of the company don't even weigh in to, won't even give me the time of day. I'm talking to level below, level below, level people that want to implement things and hope people buy into it. Um, what are the odds that entire company and the leadership are going to change in that? Uh, that's a completely different conversation. You know, I think that um, there's always the possibility. I always have hope, but this 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 corporate machine, this capitalism, this play the game, this means to an end, this whole mentality is kind of what our country was built on. And so to think we're going to change that in the next year, five years, 10 years, it's just very optimistic. Um, I think, I think change can happen. I think it's just going to be a, a long enduring test for people to remain in it long enough to see the change happen. And that's, that's the real struggle is that, you're asking people to to take a lot on in order for something that they may never actually see themselves versus them just jumping ship and going to a place that is better. Yeah, because there are places that do have cultures where you don't have to. I mean, yeah, and I work in myriad of different organizations right. and have where I'm like, OK, the politicking is so intense here that I'm not going to be effective like this isn't like a good fit right you know they need yeah. like mckinsey and co to come in and like do their song and dance right and yeah. i'm not like a song and dance person yeah so yeah i think for people that are like uh listening and like i'm in this corporate <laughs> capitalistic what do we want to call it hellhole i don't Shit know show? Shit um, show? can you say that on this Bye. yeah you can yeah. okay yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, and that goes back to what I was saying a little while ago. Like at some point you have, you have to have a job, you know, like it, it, in an ideal yeah. world. Yeah. We all just jump ship. We go find that utopian society where the leadership's great and the culture's great and all that happens. And, uh, that's just not a reality for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's, it's why it, it's honestly why so many people, the cycle is basically this. like, yeah, it's toxic and it's not great, but I have to have a job. And I can't jump ship because I have to pay the bills. So I'm going to stay here. So I'm going to stay in the toxic environment because like it's, you can't get out of the wheel. Like you can't get out of the wheel that keeps spinning because you, you have this, is, you have to have a job. You have to pay your bills. And, and it's, I think that's, what's very difficult about the people that I coach and consult with and their places of work and their places of business and their cultures they're in if they're just like, JR, yeah, no, no. Yeah. I hear you. I would love to jump ship and go here and do this and find this. And when that happens, yeah, maybe I'll do it. But right now I have to pay this bill, have insurance, take care of my four kids, fill in the blank. And so it's, it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the end solution is aside from we keep trying, but sometimes you just have to like eat it and deal with it. And the people that have jobs that, I mean, I've, I've asked this poll a lot on LinkedIn. It's like, 
is your job, your dream job, and like you're doing what you love and it pays the bills and you're passionate about it, or is your job just a job and you find your passions and the things you love elsewhere? And without fail every time, the majority of the answers are it's a job. You know, and I think that's I think that's most people. Most people have a job and it's a job. And it is what it is. It's a means to an end. Uh, I think the people that find that dream scenario of they do what they love, they're with people they love, they love their leaders, they make good money, they take care of their family. I just have discovered, I think that's the rarity, not the norm. Yeah. Which is very depressing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're just here to like, this is called the work therapy podcast. (laughs) No, but I think this is a therapeutic conversation for people. Honestly, like that's why I wanted to create this space because I am aware, like some people can't leave right now. So I'm like, how can we equip you, affirm you, like help you feel less alone in the state you're in? Because it's not wrong necessarily. It is like, are are we in a perfect world? Absolutely not. We know that, right? and, you know, even for me, I am someone that would say like, okay, I, I love the people I work with. I'm passionate about what I do. It provides very well for my family. Like I kind of have all the boxes checked. Like the first week of January 2nd, I was like, this feels like work. And right. guess what? Like that's actually probably healthy and yeah. that's okay. Like sometimes yeah. even for me where I'm like, okay, I've created this dream job. It's like, sometimes it does just need to be work. Yeah. I almost yeah. put too much pressure on it. Yeah. Well, well, let me go ahead. No, ask me a question. Well, no, let me just, I I think that one of the, the key things for people to just acknowledge and realize is that, you know, wherever you're at in your workspace right now, there's, there's the, there's the one obvious answer. It's like, Hey, if you can leave and go find this dream utopian workplace that we're talking about here, well, yeah go leave and find that utopian dream place that we're talking about. Like, if you can do that, go do it. That's great. Go start the thing, jump into the thing, take the writ, like go do that. That's great. If you can't do that, which that's a lot of us, then those things that your place of work are lacking, you either have to create yourself or you have to find it elsewhere. So if your leader is not a great leader and he's not Mr. Miyagi and he's not taking you under his wing and like helping you see the world in ways that you wish he would, Go find that person. Go find that mentor. They're out there. There's plenty of amazing, I mean, holler at Brooke, holler at me. There's plenty of amazing people out there who want to give you that thing you're lacking from your leader. So if you don't have it there, go find it. And then the things that your company doesn't have, the culture they don't have, the things that you want to exist that don't exist currently, just start doing those things. Be that light, be that person exactly. that is, is bringing that to the table. So so maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, the culture will look a little bit more like you wish it would. But what you can't do is just sit in your current circumstance that might not be great and mope about it all the time because that's not going to do anything um, for anyone. It's definitely not gonna do anything for you but maybe more importantly, it's not going to do anything for the culture that you so wish could be different. So find the thing elsewhere and where you're at, make things happen yourself. And who knows what that will do for you long-term. I I mean, a hundred percent. And I talk about this all the time here with clients, with friends. One of my core first principles in life is like self-leadership and responsibility and you know, I think understanding like 
okay, leadership is, I, I do believe in like Peter Block helped teach me this. It's, it's changing the room one, changing the world one room at a time, one conversation at a time. And so I remind people and I'm in like maybe an executive offsite. And I said, the way, just so you know, the way in which we're having this conversation here is actually creating the culture that we want to live in. And yeah. so like, I'll have executive men be like, Hey, you know, go around and they're like late fifties. I'd never done this before. I'm like, everybody, um, go around and I want you to appreciate someone specifically in this room. And they're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there so great. and it's so powerful. Right. You know what I'm like? I'm not asking you to become a softy or have thin skin and let people get away with stuff, right. but there is like, and I have like seen that be so impactful and I've worked with just this year, worked with the team and they had a new lead, you know, brought a new leader in and they were used to like kind of self managing, which is great. Like we built that culture and, you know, there was a little bit more like structure and accountability needed and they were all complaining. And I'm like, Hey, you're like actually creating the culture that you find toxic right now. Right. It's right. your narrative and you, it's up to you to stop it. And I, I need you to stop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My request, I'm making my clear request is that you stop it. And they were like, I remember specifically this conversation is like, okay, Brooke. All right. Okay. I got it. I get it. I understand, you know, but yeah. I think it's so easy. Like you said, to just complain and be like, oh no, we're actually like making this worse yeah. by not just like being the shift that we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there is just, you know, that whether it's self-leadership, self-talk, like all those things, however you want to describe that, there is something about what you're putting out there. Like, what are you putting out into the universe? What are you putting out into the space? What are you putting out into the environment? And when you're, when you're, you're aware that this is not a healthy culture, this is a toxic culture, but then you are then bringing more toxicity into that culture by complaining and gossiping and talking about how bad it is. Like you're, you're not helping the process at all. You're doubling down on what you're against in the first place. And so it's, it, there has to be that self-talk, self-leadership, self positivity, light that you bring into the environment that will start to shift that atmosphere in a way that, uh, that isn't going to happen by you just whining about it all the time. Yeah. Like there's some things we do need to keep to ourselves, right? If right. We have an issue about it. Like, let's keep that. We don't need yes. to tell everybody. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I talked to you a little bit about this guy before we hopped on, but Jeffrey Fiefer, he has the take of like, okay, if you want to have power, I'm going to tell you, he's a Stanford professor. If you want to have power, I'm going to tell you how to get it. And you're not really going to like my answer, but it's right. just data. And there's, he has like his latest book. I think it's the seven rules of power. And the first one is like, get out of your own way and okay so there are some things like basically when we talk about the game he's the one saying hey everybody here's the game yeah and which here's I how you win yeah and here's how you win which i yeah. think we should all be aware of right i yeah. think if you i think savvy is important yeah. to be savvy and again everybody has their limitations um and the trade-offs they're willing to make but you know one thing that i think everybody can do that is authentic and is what adjectives would you describe yourself to yourself going into a conversation 
And then how are you portraying those things? So if I were yeah. to come in so insecure and being like, ah, I guess all this podcast, I don't have my MBA from Harvard though. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, yeah. oh, but um, I have this many years of experience. I, my teacher um, developed all the training at Lululemon and has taught me everything I know. And she's the best of the best. Yeah. Um, like that is very different approach to how I'm leading this conversation, how I'm leading like my clients, how I'm presenting myself publicly. And that's yep. just, it's not me trying to boast. It's just right. me leading with like the best attributes that I can and yeah. experience. Well, yeah. And it's, it, it's shifting, it, it's shifting the way you view yourself from how someone else is telling you to view yourself to what you really know about yourself. Uh, I mean, perfect example for me is when I was when I left the church and I was looking for jobs in corporate America, as you can imagine, it was a tough go considering my resume was filled with preaching and being a barista. Like that's not very applicable to high level corporate America. Uh, and so I interviewed with multiple tech companies and almost every time I'd get to the fourth or fifth round of interviews and almost to the word, they would all say, JR, we love you. Think you're great. You bring a lot to the table but you're just like a risky hire. You know, yeah, these other people, they have the experience, they have the MBA, they have the da-da-da. You don't have any of that. It's just, you're a little riskier. And I, I get it. I 100% get where they're coming from. Whether I agree or not, I, I get where they're coming from. So I just said, okay, bump that. Like next interview I get, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna tell them exactly why they should hire me, period. Like none of this letting them put what they view me as onto me. Yep. I'm gonna tell them, here's how you should view me. And so when I sat in the interviews of the current company I'm working for, I said, here's the deal. Um, do I have the same experience as the other 17 people you're interviewing? I don't. Do I have the MBA? I don't. But what I have been doing for 25 years, which is longer than what any of them have been doing this in, is people and is relationships and is high-level leadership, high-level coaching, high-level teaching, high-level culture creating. And the things I don't know, I can learn. I was a math major. I studied Hebrew and Greek. Like I can learn the things I don't know. But the things I possess internally and errantly, you can't teach those things. I, I will be higher level on all of those things than the people you're interviewing. And it worked because here I am at this job. But there was a very crucial moment where I shifted how I'm viewing myself from what they are saying I am to what I know that I am. And I think that's a massive thing for people to realize is just because you don't have the quote unquote experience. Um, your life is a, a lot of experience. Like, like when I sat down with my boss, I said, look, I've walked through life with families whose wife just killed themselves. And I have to walk through yeah. that journey with three kids and a husband. That's hard. Me exactly. worrying about whether this million dollar deal closes next week or not is not hard. Like it's yeah. just not, it doesn't yeah. compare. And so I don't feel this stress and pressure because I've walked through real life stress and pressure for 20 years. So I think it's just a matter of you shifting the narrative from what people are saying you are to who you know that you are. And that's leadership. That's self-leadership. And I think it's honestly the perfect place to end because I think we, we started with wah, wah, but <laughs> not, you know, like we're keeping it real here right. and we're leaving everybody with something really practical they can do that's... I think everybody can say like, yeah, I can get behind that. Like that's something I can shift and do some inventory on. So thank you so much. Can I ask you one question? I don't know how this fits into the recording, but I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. Um, 
you mentioned authenticity, which I think is one of the most crucial elements of being a leader. You have to be authentic to be a great leader. Can you be fully authentic and also play the game, or do you have to put some of your authenticity on hold to play the game? I think you have to put some of it on hold. Okay. To play the game. Okay. Yep. All right. But am I willing to do that? Uh, no, but it's, I think it's, it's, yeah, I feel like that's a different conversation, but, um, sometimes a hundred percent it works. And then yeah. sometimes I think it's, it's like restraint. Okay. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if I was authentic myself, I would never wear jeans. I would never put jeans on. Right. And like a black, like I just, I don't ever want to do that, but I do, right. I dress right. a certain way. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like a small example, but good question. But we, I should bring you back on and we should talk about authenticity and leadership and we should bring in the research. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Let's do it. And Adam Grant actually has a great article. I think it was with the New York Times. He said, unless you're Oprah, the advice to be yourself is not good advice. Interesting. So I'll send you that. Yeah. I'll post it in the show notes. But thank yeah. you. Thanks for being on. This was so fun. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll talk soon. And listeners, thank you for listening. Please, please go in and rate, review, comment on the podcast. Always share it with maybe somebody you think would be interested. And, you know, you sharing it helps people get the therapy they need. So we will see you next week. 